Thank you for listening to this podcast hosted by the Cambridge MBA. When you hear the word high fashion, you think London, New York, Milan. Um, one of our alums, Cambridge MBA alums, is trying to make sure that you also think about Africa and South Africa. With us today is Devin Sinclair, a Cambridge MBA alum from uh, MBA 2011, who is now the Chief Operating Officer of Okapi. Devin, thanks for joining us. First, tell us, what did you do before joining the Cambridge MBA? Hi, Conrad. It's a pleasure to be talking to you. Uh, Before the MBA, I worked directly under the CEO of a publicly listed South African conglomerate called Invicta Holdings, where I worked at both a strategy level with the CEO, as well as managing some of the smaller businesses within the group. I also had a string of my own businesses of espresso bars in Cape Town and Johannesburg in South Africa. Devin, tell us, what is Okapi and what is the market that Okapi is targeting? Okapi is an African luxury brand. We're a startup luxury brand that specializes in luxury handbags and leather goods, with the main focus being making a luxury product that is end-to-end African, using African raw materials, African-designed, and African-manufactured. Why did you decide to um, have this end-to-end uh, model in Africa instead of places where, uh, say, more established centers of fashion or design, say, London, Milan, New York, etc.? Well, I think the answer to that question, Conrad, is very much linked to the founder, her vision for what she wanted to achieve with Okapi and what this was all about um, prior to my involvement. Really, what she was setting out to achieve and what we're working towards is to create one of the first true African luxury brands. And the approach has been taken as one to make sure that that approach is very authentic. And when we sat back and we looked at her vision and her plans, really, in order to be a 100% authentic African luxury brand, we had to be making the products in Africa. This is always going to be a significant challenge and definitely a move away from the status quo of manufacturing of luxury in handbags, for example, in Italy or, you know, on the lower price points um, in the Far East, whether it be China, the Philippines, etc. So that was definitely a challenge that we sort of accepted and acknowledged, but um, something that was core to effectively the whole business proposition about creating a true African luxury brand. Um, Can you talk a bit more about these challenges? I mean, what are the challenges, say, in the design aspect, uh, as well as, say, in the manufacturing aspects uh, of manufacturing such a luxury product in Africa? Well, I think there's less of an issue on the design as there is in the manufacturing. I mean, from a design aspect, we've got some great people involved, um, particularly the founder herself, um, who heads up the creative side of the business and the design um, is sort of could easily be classified as an international citizen, but sort of spends the majority of her time based in South Africa. So I would say design is less of our issue and more about manufacturing. Now, the manufacturing issues we've d- discovered along the way sort of can be split into two broad categories. One is just the general category of manufacturing in Africa is not always maintained to the same standards of timelines and standards of quality that you may find in, in, in other parts of the world. And so there's a constant management of not just your core supplies, but obviously the underlying supplies you're supplying them. And timeline management is probably our biggest challenge. I think it was probably an even sort of bigger challenge for a copy and something that a lot of time was spent on is we were trying to go out and make a product that a core manufacturing industry didn't really exist 
first in Africa. If you were to wake up tomorrow and decide to make a luxury handbag, the natural place to go would probably be to Italy, where you would have, you know, your choice of factories to work with and number of people to discuss and options to choose. Our challenge was to go and find out from a very small pool who in Africa actually had the required skill sets to make our products and translate our vision and designs um, in Africa, but to the same quality that it was being done elsewhere. I mean, it, it was over a long period of time that we managed to trace down um, sort of a, a, a very short list of potential options and unfortunately found a great factory that we worked with, particularly in Cape Town, who's sort of our fourth generation uh, leather master craftsman and are, without question, being able to produce the products to the same standard as being produced um, in, in Europe or any, any of the other major luxury centers. But I think the call there was... Um, just being able to actually track down the people who have the skills given producing luxury handbags is not a not a core market anywhere in Africa. So, Devin, the um, handbags uh, or the products that Okapi produces, they are obviously uh, aimed at a global market and priced uh, accordingly. Um, they are probably priced at uh, a point which is far in excess of what the average African can can afford. What would you say when, if people were to ask, how does Africa benefit from having uh, this luxury brand that is being produced in Africa but sold uh, uh, globally? I mean, I think that's a fair question, Conrad. I mean, we are unashamedly a luxury brand at luxury price points. Um, for, for an example, our products on the handbag range range from between um, 500 and 2,500 pounds for the bags. But this is very much aimed at the sophisticated, discerning luxury customer, which that is not a scary price point for, and there's a surprisingly large market for in the developed luxury markets of New York, Milan, London, um, and obviously the, the East is a luxury market as well. In terms of how it benefits back to Africa, I mean, one thing that we're very clear on and what we feel is a bit of a differentiator for Okapi is we have complete visibility of our entire supply chain. So it's not just the factory who makes our bags. We've also been to visit the farmers from where the ostrich skins, for example, come from. I've been to the, the crocodile farmer's farm where our crocodile skins come from. We've seen the people involved all the way through. We have a, a local initiative that helps us source the springbok horns which are a signature design item on our bags. And our, our sort of mantra and belief really behind this is that the more successful Okapi is in the core markets where the product is able to be sold, so for example, London, the more opportunity and the more downstream benefits it brings to Africa. So if I sell m many bags in London, this obviously produces many um, more business for my manufacturing sort of core factory, which in turn provides more business for the tanneries who produce the leather. The other thing that we feel quite strongly about is by being authentic to our African heritage and our African, uh, authentic African end-to-end -end products, we also provide an advertising for what Africa can achieve. And it is our belief that hopefully as Okapi increases its exposure and visibility, other brands may recognize Africa's design and manufacturing capabilities, and that may bring indirect benefits into African manufacturers as people who traditionally had gone to Italy or China, for example, may start considering making their goods in South Africa or Kenya. 
So, Devin, what advice would you give to uh, other entrepreneurs who are thinking of uh, establishing global brands or luxury brands in Africa, just as Okapi is, has, uh, is doing? Well, I mean, I think there's sort of two questions there for me, Conrad. If we're an African brand looking to establish itself globally, I mean, I think my advice really is one is to is to physically position yourself in one of the core global markets to be able to facilitate your exposure. I think if we were all sitting, if our whole business was sitting in Cape Town and we were trying to market and the brand and meet with people and the brand in London, all from an African base, that would be quite difficult. And that's one of the reasons why our business is split between sales, marketing, and, and, opera, and online operations in London, and all of our production and design happens in, in South Africa. So that would be one sort of piece of advice. The other piece of advice, really, for any African brand looking to get global exposure um, would be to stay true to your African heritage. I think, you know, people buy into an Africanness. There is the 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 growing respect and interest in African products and African brands, African businesses as a whole. And I think um, my advice to any African brand of international exposure is to just stay true to that heritage. Kevin, what what is your role uh, in Okapi, and how did you get involved? So I'm the chief operating officer, or the COO for short. I pretty much handle all of the finance, operational, and e-commerce sides of our business. Our online store, uh, okapi.com, is sort of our primary platform for international distribution at the moment. During my MBA, I had been involved with an online retailer called Zalando through one of my projects. I'd also done a summer internship at Burberry. And through some mutual South African connections, uh, they connected the dots between the founder of Okapi, who was the visionary and the creator behind the brand. He was looking for someone to help her set up the business in the UK and really set up a platform for international expansion. So before the MBA, um, you were never in the fashion industry. Um, how has the Cambridge MBA helped you make that transition? Um, and what has it not prepared you for? Yes, I mean, I certainly was not involved in fashion. I mean, the South African company I was involved in was quite unglamorous in terms of industrial consumables and construction equipment. Perhaps they're slightly more glamorous with the coffee shops that I that I've earned in between. Um, I'll be honest in saying going into fashion was not a, a, a dead set goal when I started my MBA. Uh, I will say though, an interest in the luxury goods segment um, had always sort of been in the back of my mind. What certainly uh, the MBA positioned me to, to make this move into it, um, and so some of my experiences along the way in terms of projects I was involved in. Uh, without the Cambridge MBA experience, would I have secured an internship with Burberry's strategy and investor relations teams? That you know, that that's certainly a question. In terms of what it hasn't prepared me for, I mean, I think the biggest adjustment for me working in fashion to other industries is obviously fashion has a very strong hand in the creative people involved in it, and um, there's a, a definite difference in managing and working with the, the creatives behind the products and the brand than um, just the commercial, the, the finance-oriented people. And so whilst um, the MBA certainly improved my overall management skills and was a great platform to be working with a lot of different people from a lot of different backgrounds, um, entering a space where the creatives uh, have a, a strong input in the business, and for me that was something new. I think that was probably my biggest adjustment. Um, but the MBA... Um, 
definitely helped me towards moving towards just working with the different groups of people. So has working with um, the creative types uh, made you a more rounded person? And in what way has that? Because you, you said you very much before the MBA and even during the MBA, you were more of the analytical sort. Uh, I think I remember someone saying that uh, they, did, they probably expect you to be more um, uh, comfortable with an Excel spreadsheet than with a, with a handbag. Uh, <laughs> I mean, what, what do you think, how do you think this experience um, has, has helped you? Well, I think, I mean, and given that I'm a, a chartered accountant by profession, my, my sort of initial roles were with, with Deloitte in the U.S. and, and South Africa. That's, that's true that I definitely was more comfortable with a, with a spreadsheet than a handbag. Uh, but what, you know, what I've really shown is, you know, successful businesses require different elements. And, um, you know, in a copy, for example, uh, we have two, two of us running the business where we have really great polar opposite skill sets you know, a great design and visionary and, and um, sort of or expert in, in the luxury world. And uh, believe it or not, making handbags requires just as many spreadsheets to deal with suppliers, figure out how much they're going to cost, um, what we're going to price them with. And I think really it's recognizing um, and putting different skill sets together, which really make for successful companies. Uh, I think um, just as if you gave me a pencil and a blank piece of paper and said, design a handbag, you're not going to get a great solution. Put um, an Excel spreadsheet in front of um, you know, a handbag designer and tell them to work out the, the cost of the handbag and the IRR, you're not going to get a great solution either. So it's really about recognizing the different skill sets and how those skill sets together can create a very successful business. So Devin, final question. What's next for Okapi? Well, Okapi is really an exciting phase, having just really established ourselves um, in the UK. We spent some time developing a new product range and um, developing our new online store, which we've just taken live a few weeks ago. So the next thing really is about securing broader exposure and broader distribution of Okapi in those core luxury markets. So the brand, having established itself in South Africa, we will now be creating greater awareness around it in London, New York, Milan, and really leveraging now this great online platform that we've set up to be selling into those markets, as well as looking for sort of key distribution partners. So really, it's a case now of taking the brand forward and getting the product to become wider known and really telling the whole story behind Okapi, both, um, you know, the excellent products and then the products speak for themselves, but also around the authenticity of the Africanness of our brand and the whole sort of end-to-end supply chain that we have visibility of. Thank you very much, Devin, for giving us an overview of Okapi, and all the best in uh, what you're going to be doing as well as Okapi's business. Thanks very much, Conrad. Good talking to you.